Uh, let me just kind of get things set up on my end here. Okay. Uh, good. All right. So hopefully all uh, who care to see me can see me. And um, today's topic is um, is something really near and dear to me. Um, you know, for literally a decade now, it's really coming up on the anniversary. Um, I've searched for what I like to call, you know, kind of the ultimate model. And what I mean by the ultimate model is how do you combine economic abundance and time freedom with sustainability? So really three, if you think about it, for all of us here who are business owners, you know, there are three things, you know, if you put them in buckets, if you will, that are incredibly important. You know, having the economic resources, not burning out, so in other words, having balance, long-term balance, tremendous balance, and then making that sustainable so the reality is you don't want to retire. There's no need to retire. Why would you want to punch out of something that serves you and serves your family in so many different ways? So what we're going to do today is really talk about and, and focus on where do we need to be, you know, five, six, seven, eight years from now. Uh, one of the things that I'm always asked uh, from my clients and uh, from my, uh, my Magellan uh, mastermind is, hey, where are we going to be in 10 years? Where are we going to be in 10 years? And I spend a lot of my, my emotional and mental energies really thinking about that, uh, testing things, talking to some very innovative people, and, and really coming up with uh, some strategies. So for the next uh, 60 or 75 minutes or so, uh, what I'm going to do is kind of take you through, I'm taking you through some history. I'm going to take you through some various different models. I'm going to give you a little forecast of what, what again, my beliefs so or my experience is what I believe we're going to look like in five, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And uh, and with the goal, look, and I realize as I look to see who's here today on my board, you know, we've got independent RIAs. We have independent financial advisors. We have people aligned with large firms. And so what I'm going to say now is that there really are not, you know, each segment has what I call their ceiling to what can get done. But all of you here today can make shifts and changes in your practice models and how you approach things that will leave you in a position to not just better compete, but, but really have a profound advantage over your competitors for the long haul. So with that being said, let's kind of get into some of the, let's get into our story here today. So first off, let's talk about where we came from, a little, bit, a little history lesson. And look, I'm going to keep this kind of short because I'm not going to elaborate on so much. So back in 2009, um, February of 2009 to be more precise, um, I had faced personally an inflection point in my work. I spent the last six months literally propping up a vast majority of my clients, keeping their heads in the game, really making sure that they were serving well when we we're going through, you know, this hurricane uh, called the financial crisis, They're, you know, emotionally draining, mentally draining, so on and so forth. And literally February of 09, I woke up one day and I didn't want to wake up and do this anymore. And that scared me a lot. That's the first time and, the, quite frankly, the only time in the, literally, it'll be 25 years next February that I've ever woken up and said, man, I don't think I want to do this anymore. So that said to me, something had to change. So literally, I wrapped up my month. I, uh, I, I at the time, had uh, 
I didn't have a week off, but I made a week off, and I literally put my put my butt on an airplane, uh, put went to Costa Rica, uh, went to my little place I go to uh, where I do my writings and I do a lot of my genius work, and and I literally took every element of my business and pulled it apart, and I literally blank sheeted it, and this was February of '09, and in uh, the old saying, you know, if you had to, and, and by the way, that's where that for those who do my business planning process. In module number one, what's one of the key questions? Knowing what you know today, what would you do different if you had to do it all over again? Well, that's the question I asked myself. And what I came up with, and by the way, so going down to the third part here, so while I was doing this, I had um, downloaded a copy of The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which, quite frankly, I read the first chapter, thought it was a stupid, was a dumb book, had no basis, was not going to add any value to my world, zero. And I literally put it down. And I don't know, something happened. I don't. It was it was maybe on the plane or when I first got there. I forget exactly the moment, but I, I picked it back up. And it, this one I had an actual Kindle. When you know we actually got had the, the actual Kindles, and and I read chapter two, three, four. And I think it was in chapter two, there was a question that really changed my life. And the question was this. If retirement was not an option, what would you do different now? And I really thought about that. I said, you know, if I didn't retire, which is always everybody, it seems like everybody's goal in this country is to retire. You know, make enough money, hopefully you don't blow it, right? And then at some point, you get to say goodbye to what you do, and hopefully you don't die of boredom or old age or both, right? So I really, really thought about what I wanted to do, and I said, "Well, interesting thought. What would I do?" And I said, "You know, I would take more. I would, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't coach as much as I do in a given month. I'd have more, I'd have more time, more downtime, more free days, more, more in in uh, Ferris's terminology, mini retirements, right?" And so I did that, and I came back from Costa Rica, and I literally wrote this letter to all my clients, an email, saying, "Here's my new schedule. It would be three days a week." Uh, Monday through Thursday, and then the fourth week of the month, I am going to be on a mini retirement or mini vacay or downtime. I forget what I even called it back then. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And I remember telling my wife, Marissa, I said, well, here's what's going to happen. There's, there's, there's a couple outcomes here. Uh, the worst one is everybody's going to fire me because they don't like what I'm doing, right? But here's what, here was the interesting part. Out of, at the time, I think 85, maybe 90 clients. I had two clients decide they wanted not to work with me because they needed me around all the time for them. They thought it was unfair for me to charge them while I had some downtime. So needless to say, we parted company, which was fine. However, there were several of my very close clients who came to me and said, what are you doing? Tell me more. And I had professed and really communicated to them Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's where I kind of come up with the concept. I, I adapted it for what I needed to be done, and here is my belief set around it. You know, no, no more. I'm not. I'm never. I came to the conclusion I'm never going to retire. I love what I do. I just got to find a different way to make it sustainable. Blah blah blah. Several of them said, "Do you think I can do that? I'd like to." Work. I like what I do. I don't want to retire, but I don't want to keep doing it the way I'm doing. You think I? Do you think I can take a week off every month? I said, I don't know. I'm not sure I can yet, right? So, so there, I think there are six or seven of us who started down the path of uh, basically uh, March 2009, 20, uh, March 09. We, we went with a concept, 
and this little beta group. Okay. Um, in June of '09, I uh, had a uh, I had a mid-year event, and I and I laid out the program called um, you know Advisor 2015, and we pushed it out there. And here and basically what it was, it was an interpretation of the four-hour work week. Fast forward to 2011, after two years, so here's what happened in the two years. We probably had 20 to uh, maybe 25, 35 clients run the model in various forms. Everybody kind of adapts it the way they need to, but the premise was no retirement, total sustainability, balance, no issues, right? Validated it in this industry, wirehouse, independent, RAA. Totally doable. And it became our advisor. And by the way, my advisor is up on in Practice Power Academy. You can go look at that and so on. So, but that was 2011. So fast forward to last year, um, my, uh, my Magellan uh, study group mastermind said, what do you think it's going to look like in, you know, eight, nine, ten years? And I said, well, you know what? I haven't done an update in my thinking in a while. So let me update it. Let me kind of go back. Let me, you know, I've got I've got this little think tank, and I don't really talk a lot about this because uh, we kind of do this on the QT. But I I interact with many of the industry gurus that you all know. Uh, we have this little thing we do. Um, you know, once you know, once every six weeks, once a quarter, we kind of get on a conference call, and or we do some one-on-one -on -one stuff, and we kind of you know help each other, and you know. I picked a lot of brains, and I said, "Tell me what you." And everybody has their discipline, right? From the from uh, from fees to technology to compliance and so on. And I came up with basically a a um, an evolution of iAdvisor. So let me introduce you all to what we're going to call uh, Magellan. And what Magellan is is really the next step in our journey. Uh, going forward. Before we get to that, let me kind of also go back and talk a little bit about kind of where I was in 2009. I want you to think about this for a second. Put yourself back in 2008, 2009, and look at the look at the bullet points I have here. Technology with liberated advisors. The reality is that I think every person on this call, on this webcast that's here live today, has the ability to work remotely. You don't have to be at your desk. You don't have to be in your office. You, if you have cell service, a phone, and a laptop or notebook or now in, in some cases tablet, um, you could do things. Number two, uh, back in 09, we talked about society more mobile with more mobile technology. I mean, I think for sure we hit that one out of the park, absolutely happening. Uh, third island, but this is, by the way, this is all this here, uh, the third piece was definitely a theory for a while. Could you really be in this business and have a 100% virtual practice? Now, what does 100% virtual practice mean? That means that you and your team work remotely from your homes. There's no hub. There's no place where you all kind of align and get together and things like that. Could you pull that off? And, and quite frankly, back in 2009, you know, we thought about it. You know, could we pull it off? It wasn't really, it wasn't really there yet where today... Um, I'm not going to say it's mainstream because I know it's not, but I can give you example upon example upon example of clients of mine shedding their offices, shedding their overhead, shedding all this, and, and really creating some very dynamic models. So again, it is now 100% possible to do that. The need for expensive bricks and brick and mortars will diminish. Um, if you do need space, you know, I've got clients now that look around and say, 
why do I want to spend five to ten thousand dollars a month on an office? Um, and I've got clients who have, uh, you know, converted old warehouse building into some like almost like a tech incubator. Um, you know, buying older homes on Main Street and kind of, you know, rehabbing them and making them very, very soft and very nice for people and for clients to come in. So the concept that you need to have the high-rise building with the paneled walls and the leather furniture, you got to remember, somebody's paying for all that. You know, you're paying for it, but really more importantly, your clients are paying for that, all right? Uh, next piece of virtual and ensemble practice would be possible. So, in, so an ensemble, a virtual ensemble practice, which we're going to get into as part of this webcast today, is where you have an advisor or the or, or the, the, the the business owner in one location. I may have a virtual power planner in, in three states over. My VA may be in a whole different state, and you know I may have some other VAs and some other people. But the bottom line is, I have a team. It's an ensemble. But it's virtual. We don't hub together. We're not, we're not in the same physical location. And then the last premise was that your office is where you are. You know, and, and some of you I know who are on, the, on this webcast today know that I've got a family, a quasi-family office up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, and uh, every winter, their office is in Maui. They leave Anchorage, uh, they pack it up, and they spend several months in Maui. Uh, going forward, I have clients that live in the Northeast. Uh, they, they'll spend uh, four to eight weeks in Florida. And here's an interesting part about the Florida, the, the northeast of Florida. Uh, I think a lot of you would sit there and probably, especially if you're at a firm, say, well, that's nice, Joe, but I work at XYZ firm. We can't do that. Here's the interesting part. The clients that I have that are doing that, the northeast to uh, Florida for two months, actually are aligned with a major firm on Wall Street. So again, what is possible, right? So your office is where you're at. Sometimes, and I, I have clients that do this, will take a day and they just, you know, they say, I think I'm just going to work from home today. Or I'm going to work from the club. Or I'm going to go, and I've, I've got a client in California, which I guess there you can do, you know, pretty much year-round. Uh, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pack up and I'm going to go, I'm going to work at the beach today. I'm going to take my cell phone, take my notebook, and... Uh, I'm going to do a little surfing, and I'm going to make some client calls. So again, what are the rules? So you know, these are things you know, literally almost 10 years ago, eight years ago now, I guess, that were concepts that now we've proven to be possible slash accurate. Now, where do we go from here? What does the future hold? What does the next, oh, 10 years look like? And I think this is really the, the key premise here on, on what we need to look at. So my, my model now has evolved from advisor 2015 to iAdvisor to now Magellan. And everybody knows who Magellan was, right? The explorer, uh, the sailor who circum, uh, circumnavigated the globe. Um, a real out-of-the-box thinker, because if you remember... Uh, he was basically told that he was crazy, right? That you can't do uh, what you want to do. So you want to just be very clear that what we're talking about is, let me, let me kind of put the disclaimer out here right now. Um, what I'm going to lay out is, is what I believe, I'm sorry about that, uh, what I believe to be totally um, doable. 
what I'm going to ask you all to do is figure out where you want to be with this. Do you want to play with this? And look, like I said, whether you're a large firm, independent firm, or, or pure RAA, um, there are different iterations of this you can do. What I'd ask you to do is just be open-minded and realize that depending on your depending on your channel or model, some things you might be able to do now. Some things, quite frankly, may be a couple years off. And we just have to be patient, but be ready because my belief is all this will come to pass no later than 10 years. Okay. So I just want to put that out there to everybody. So let's talk about um, uh, some of the key premises now. Okay. So back in 08, 09, I talked about, remember I talked about, you know, was it possible to do things? So let's talk about the premises today. Here's where we're going to go from a technology standpoint, and I've run this. I've run this by people way smarter than me who shook their heads, say, "Yep, yep, if not sooner." So, number one, mobile technology, as is becoming uh, pretty much the way we do things, as you, as you see, people are cutting cords and getting rid of uh, landlines and everything like that. Um, here in the United States. We're not nearly an early adapter. In fact, there are plenty of countries uh, in Europe, uh, I think uh, Finland and uh, Korea, for example, uh, Japan, uh, where their, um, their wireless internet is you know, uh, you know, many times faster than here in the United States. We're still operating on 4G and LTE. Uh, for those of you who follow these things, we all, some of you know that 5G is just a matter of when. Now, when 5G happens, our world becomes uh, not a 10x world, a 100x world in terms of speed. That, I think, for a lot of uh, virtual practices, become a game changer. Because now you really do have freedom. And literally, your office could be at any Starbucks you want. It could Not just Starbucks, it could be in the car. It doesn't matter. So that's going to be a real game changer for us. It's gonna, what it's going to really allow is uh, pretty much streamless um, uh, video. Uh, the concept of video conferencing with clients and doing video reviews and things that we talk about for those of you who watched iAdvisor, um, you know, uh, back then, uh, you know that one of the trends that we do see and we are continuing to see it is uh, serving the clients virtually on the technical side. Uh, video mail, and there's some early adapters on this. I do have clients testing this, by the way, right now, the video piece. Uh, instead of just dropping a voicemail uh, or a text, you drop a video to them. Uh, that will become the standard way we do things probably within the next five years. Um, some of us, including myself, sit there and say, hmm, does that mean we have to shave every day and look good and stuff like that? I guess that's to be determined what that's going to mean. Uh, voice to text, we're already starting to see that. That'll be standard, right? Uh, which will allow, you know, the concept of like dragging naturally, naturally speaking, uh, you know, when you, when you sit and you do your client reviews, the concept of being able to just kind of articulate a message and have it happen. Um, I know I have a, I've got a couple clients that literally are waiting to actually record the, every review they do and have it translated through Dragon and take that translation and put it in the file so there's never a question of what was discussed. So a lot of things are coming down the pipe. Uh, AI, which stands for artificial intelligence, will become mainstream. You know, we hear a lot of it now um, in terms of just the beginning parts of it. And let's face it, in our industry, when you really think about it, what, what, do we, what are we really all about? We're about information, intellectual capital. 
And then if you're really, in my viewpoint, you know, then it's about, about emotionally working with people. So the, the technical pieces, right? Um, RoboAdvisor, you know, we hear that term, all, over, my, my opinion, overused, right? Uh, but it is what it is. You know, that's AI-based. Well, what's the next for us? What's the next iteration of that? When, when you can do planning, when you literally can interact and go onto a website and have a basically a conversation, right, with a, uh, with a program, and it will come up with your risk tolerance, it will come up with your financial plan. Think of it like a, a Robo Money Guy Pro or Robo eMoney or something like that. That will happen in the next 10 years. Okay? VR, virtual reality, will become mainstream. So what, why would we care about virtual reality? Here's why. Imagine yourself 10 years from now being able to put, you know, enter a VR virtual room, virtual reality room, I guess, probably a better way of saying it, and having your client enter a virtual reality room, and you end up doing a virtual reality review. As if you got if you as if you and the client were in the same room. That will happen in the next 10 years. Last piece, medtech, which is just a fancy word for the marriage of medical and technology will radically increase our lifespans. And you'll see this, you are starting to see it happen now. It's going to really radically increase in the next 10 years where, again, this is not my expertise, but I've studied this enough to talk about it where the concept of reproducing organs, slowing the aging process, uh, you know, various things like that, our clients are going to be living longer, we're going to be living longer with high, higher quality of life, which means, again, why would you want to hang this thing up at 60, 65, 70? If you're not, here's, here's what I would say, kind of sidebar for a second. If you're in a model right now where your concept is, I can't wait till I'm old enough and have enough money to get out of this model or leave or quit or, or sell or whatever, I would highly suggest you change what you're doing and figure out a way to do this until the day you die. That to me is, again, if you're passionate about this, again, if you're not looking at this as a job, but you really look at this as a vocation, a lifestyle type scenario, okay? So again, those are some of our key premises. That's what we've got. Now, what does that mean going forward? So if that's kind of where we're heading as a society, what does our industry look like? So now I put this together, so just so, you know, for clarification purposes, um, I put this together and this was actually presented about over a year, about a year ago, uh, I, I took my uh, mastermind group, we went to Puerto Rico, and uh, this is where I rolled it out. And by the way, I've got some really sharp people in that group, a uh, lot of experience, and they all agreed that this is where we're going. So, so I'm giving you uh, it a year later and more validated. So let's talk about what's on the board here. So number one, all firms have a robo-platform or independent channel. Um, we see it happening. I don't think there's a firm. I don't care, wirehouse, independent. At some point, sometime, they will, you'll have access to a, a automated platform. Some will do it more readily than others. Inevitably, you're all going to have that. Uh, here's the piece that, I, that, you know, that gets some debate. Um, I'm still going to stick to what I believe is going to happen because I think it's the inevitability of it. 
Um, I think all the firms, again, when I say all firms on the independent channel, I'm talking about the wirehouses. So the Merrill's, Morgan's, UBS's, Wells Fargo, Stiefel, so on and so forth. Some of those already have. Wells Fargo has finance, Stiefel has, um, I forget what theirs is called. Um, I believe every firm will have a way that you can tap that platform, but get them, but get the advisor off the firm's P&L. I believe that's going to happen in the next 10 years because I think it's going to have to happen over the next 10 years. Number two, industry employment will shrink significantly. Uh, there will be two causes of that. Number one is obviously the aging of the advisor force. Um, I'm sure all of you, uh, you know, whether you want to hear about it or not, hear about the fact we're getting older. Uh, there's not as many young people coming in the space. And so, you know, we're going to have, I think in the next 10 years, uh, a quarter million. 250,000 advisors leave our industry uh, due to retirement or death, right? Uh, the other thing will shrink is because of all this technology, the concept of back offices and just having large staffs and things like that, that will also get reduced. So employment will not ne nearly be as high in our industry as, as it has been in the past. I don't believe it's going to be where people will get fired or laid off. Uh, typically, I think it will just be attrition. Uh, but we're going to see, you know, we're going to see that. I mean, I've got clients now that used to have six, seven, eight people on their teams, and, you know, we got four. And we've, grew, and we've grown the business because we've been able to outsource. We've been able to use technology to handle things. I mean, something simple as scheduling software, schedule once, calendarly, whatever. I mean, there's different packages out there. The concept you can have clients schedule their own reviews by sending them an email versus having a staff person call and call and call and play phone tag. Again, there's ways, you know, there's just efficiencies that you'll see. Uh, banks and brokerages will have to reduce cost overhead. I mean, I just think this is, I mean, I just don't see how you're going to end up in a space, you know, where you could justify the wood paneled and the high rises and, and the vice president and the senior vice president and the sales manager and, and you know, I, I, I don't get into details here, but years ago, I visited a client of mine in Dallas, Texas, and I sat in her office, and it was a very nice office, all, you know, again, the wood panel, the whole trust company look, right? And, and, and I was just amazed by how many people were there, and I said, well, how, who, what's in that suite across the way? And she goes, well, that's our region. I go, well, how many people are in there? She goes, like 20 or 30. I said, okay, what do they do? She goes, I have no idea. I never heard, but, they, but we report to them. And, and I sat there, and I said, wow do you realize that you pay for all this? And then, and that's what I told her at the time. And what I really should have said was, do you realize that your clients pay for all this? And there's just a lot of inefficiency. What we as an industry have to, and look, and I'm going to say this in three channels, RAA, independent, wirehouse. This is a very inefficient industry. There are fees everywhere. There are tolls everywhere. Um, and I just don't, I just don't know how that's going to continue in the next decade. I just don't see it. You know, managers being, you know, managers costing too much, platforms costing too much, uh, have to pay overhead or tolls to organizations to access certain things. Wholesalers have to get paid. That figures into the cost. I mean, you start looking at how many, how many, what a dollar of revenue, where, where it all goes. It's incredibly inefficient. And don't take my word. There are some smart people, you know, in you know California, around the world, who are going to find a way to squeeze the fat out of this industry, just like Uber squeezed the fat out of the out of the taxi and limo industry. How uh, Airbnb squeezing the fat out of the out of the, the lodging industry. 
don't think for a second somebody's not going to come in here, and I, and it may not be a robo. You know, it may be it may be Vanguard, right? And I don't like you know I don't get into details here, but hey, Vanguard's got a deal. I think 40 or 50 bips. You get a planner, you get a plan, stuff like that. You know, you know that's a very that's a very lean model for a lot of different reasons. I'm not advocating it or endorsing it, but I'm giving you guys an example. AUM fees. So I want to spend a lot of time on this, or at least a chunk of time on this today. They're going to come down, and they're going to come down radically. And I'm going to tell you why. And, and this is not a 10-year projection. This is now. And here's why I'm going to tell you this. Um, in the last year, uh, I have uh, really worked with my clients when I can to really look at their numbers, look at their platform costs, come up with ways to really create some portfolios. Um, not that this is my expertise, but just kind of from a 50,000-foot view, you know, how can we do a good job as cost-efficiently as possible? And then pass either all of it or, to call, or, or a bulk of that savings on to our clients. Great example. And this is, by the way, I'm going to give you a wirehouse example because I think it's important. So one of my clients, um, he's in Seattle. Not that that matters very much. Um, they run their they run models in house. So in other words, they run their own portfolios. Uh, they were referred to they were referred to an, a, a potential client who was at a competing firm. It is it was eight million dollars of investable assets. At the competing firm, here's the way it was positioned, not to get into deal, just pricing-wise. Uh, the advisor was charging them 90 basis points, 9-0 on 8 million, plus it was with a series of managers who were charging, let's blend it all out to 25 basis points, okay? So they're all in at, I don't know, 115, right? 115. You know what our offer was on $8 million? 50 basis points, five zero, five zero, because we run it in house. We were going to be profit. We could. We, my client and I talked about it. how he said how we want price. He said, "Well, how much money do you really need to make profit-wise for this relationship?" We came up with the number. I said, "Well, equate that to fees." Okay, then that's what we need to do. It's not. A, you don't have to sell very hard. When you can save somebody literally 50 percent on their investment fees. And I'm telling everybody on this call today who's listening or watching, I can tell you story upon story upon story of clients. And I even wire, again, and this is wirehouse to wires, by the way, so keep that in mind, okay? The, the, the advisors who are charging what I'll consider to be high fees, we don't need to get into the debate what that looks like right now. I am going to tell you that you know everybody here is worried and freaked out about DOL and 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 that whether it happens or doesn't or what it looks like or what's that that to me it pales in comparison from a disruption standpoint to what's going to happen in the next 10 years when fees and don't take my word for it just watch the media what are you seeing Charles Schwab what are you paying you know you're what is you know the the industry is going to put a lot of noise, and again, certain players, not everyone, or they're going to push the conversation of fees. It is happening now. It will continue to happen. So what I've advised my clients is, look, if you're at a firm, and look, a number of my clients are still at firms, I say, look, we've got to look at what we're paying to run the money. Are there better products, better solutions, better portfolios? Or is there a way to get the internal fees down so that we can maintain margin and give our clients a break, right? 
things like that you've got to look at. Then obviously if you're on the independent side, you need to know what does it cost you to run your portfolio? What's it cost you? I mean, this is a very basic question. What's it cost you to run money? You know a lot of advisors can't answer that question. That would be like us being in the business. Let's say we're in the restaurant business and we don't know what our food costs are. Well, how do you price? How do you know if you're making money? How do you know if you have margin if you don't know what your costs are, right? So you need to know what that is and look for the most cost-efficient way of doing that. And then obviously if you're on the independent slash RA side, same scenario. What's, it, what's, your, what's your platform cost? What's your custodial cost? What's it cost you to run money? And then how much do you need, and this will probably be for another conversation, this will probably be for another webcast. Um, what's it cost you? What's your overhead? What do you need as profit? What do you have to charge the client? I mean, that's like business 101, how to come up with pricing, right? But in our industry, we never think it that way. We just kind of go with what is the norm, right? Well, here's what everybody else does, so I'll do it too. There's no competitive advantage to that, none. So my suggestion is, and I really do believe in 10 years, 25 to 50 is where we're at. I got clients now that are, I just told your story. I've got clients that are 50 right now, and I know some of you are saying, yeah, Joe, but it's $8 million, the math worked. I'll also say this, um, that on smaller clients, I just talked to, in fact, uh, he's, uh, he's attending right now, he's on, online with us right now, talked to one of my platinum partners. You know, we're going to go out the marketplace, anything under half a million dollars, we're going out in the marketplace at 75, 75 basis points, 75. And we're going to ratchet down as we go up, down to 50 in some cases. This is where we're going on asset management. Again, just on asset management, so keep that in mind. Next piece, elimination of upfront fee products. Again, whether, whether this is going to be DOL related or just competitive pressure, you know, the concept of these five and six and seven point upfront deals you know, are going to go away. Whether the whether, uh, Department of Labor does or FINRA does or SEC does, somebody's going to make them go away. Their days are numbered. Absolutely agree with. I absolutely know that for a fact. Peace planning, coaching, consulting fees will make up a significant part of the advisor's income. So let me spend some time on this. I have clients at wirehouses, independents, independent broker dealers, and RAAs who charge an annual financial planning fee, who charge an initial financial planning fee. I've got clients who are independent and who are RAAs who will do flat fee asset management or flat fee planning or flat fee relationship, which is the next piece here, retainer-based. What does that mean? And I'll give you a great example. Um, one of my other partners, uh, I don't think they're here today, uh, they got referred to $27 million of money that money was at a firm, we're not going to name the firm because I don't want to embarrass the firm if anybody's of the firm here. Uh, a, we asked the person what they were paying, they and this is, by the way, this money was not inherited money by some, to some idiot. This is a very sophisticated, highly successful business owner, and when we asked him, hey, what are you paying your advisor, they, he had no idea, and this is a smart guy. We didn't get that money by accident, right? So I don't want to get into too much of the details, but here's the bottom line. So they were priced at a typical basis points plus, you know, manager fee plus plus. It was it was, it was still pretty pretty hefty 
at the end of the day, it was definitely over two hundred, maybe two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in total fees. So bottom line, right around one percent. Okay. Our offer was this: fifty thousand dollars flat fee per year for planning and consulting, with a three percent cost of living built in, and platform cost. So what are platform costs? Whatever the managers charge. So we have a fixed income manager, we have a uh, you know a value manager, whatever their fees are, client pays that, and our fee is fifty thousand dollars to oversee it all, to do the planning, to be there, so on and so forth. That was about a that was a that was basically a twenty four hour decision. We moved twenty seven million dollars from a major firm. That is a, an extreme example. I can tell you, I can give you another twenty of smaller examples. So flat fees are going to happen. They're happening now. Subscription-based financial planning is happening. Is happening now. And I do have some pretty uh, forward-thinking clients who are doing fees based on uh, uh, household income off of 1040s and/or net worth. So in other words, we're going to decouple our fees from because most again, 99% of advisors look at fees as a part of the asset base, while some of my clients say, well, look, we're going to handle all this. We've got to do tax consulting. We've got to make sure that you know they're not paying too much in insurances and all the above. So, so they do this whole retainer model based over the net worth of the household income and then whatever the costs are, right? And, I, and again, I don't think that'll be the, the industry the way it goes globally, but I do think, again, there'll be a certain niche, depending on your marketplace, that that could be very, very attractive. So my point is, you know, the concept of, hey, I run money, because think about it, right now the typical advisor usually gets paid two ways. They get paid AUM fees or trails and commissions based on whatever product they sell, insurances, annuities, so on and so forth. You're going to have this third leg now show up where it's fees, planning fees, consulting fees, whatever you want to call it, coaching fees. Um, I do believe that in order to add incredible value long-term to clientele, that all of you are going to have to understand the kind, we're going to get into a little bit later in our, in our time today, but really add more value from a, a financial coaching, personal coaching type scenario, because at the end of the day, that can never be roboed. You know, somebody said to me not too long ago, Joe, do you ever worry that what you do will become obsolete because of technology? And I, and I sat there and said, no. I said, there are certain things that, that are done that I think are human, that, are, that human connections are very important. I don't think you'll ever, um, I think your spirituality will never be a part, will never be 100% part of an app. I don't think medically, I don't think you'll ever be comfortable having a robot and only a robot work on you. But if you think about it, right, um, a, lot of, a lot of surgeries now are done by, I think they're one of them is called Da Vinci, Da Vinci robots. But there's a surgeon there watching and talking to you. I don't think we're going to go into the concept of that. And I think for money, I think running money can totally be done in a robo basis or with technology the value 10 years from now is in the relationship with the human being. That's the difference. So if you're, so for some of you, and again, I don't know, I don't know all of you here, but if your mindset is 
well, I like running money, and I like building portfolios, and I don't really like people, that's a problem. I think that's a real challenge in, down the road. And I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would advise you, um, motivate you, implore you to really maybe look at uh, a shift your thinking on that, okay? Because asset management is going to become commoditized. And I know what some of you are going to sit there and say, yeah, Joe, but we do such a good job and stuff like that. Uh, if any of you follow the hedge fund industry, and I kind of do for, you know, just as a guilty pleasure from time to time, um, they are also under pressure. The concept of, of you know, of 2 and 20, right, 2% on the assets and 20% on the profits, that is, you know, that is under siege in the fund, hedge fund industry. In fact, you'll, if you follow it, you'll realize that a, a lot of funds are shutting down, they're liquidating, um, and even some of the so-called names, they've done absolutely garbage returns the last three, four, five years. And you have to charge premium free. That, you know, their day of reckoning is coming. It's already here, all right? Ours is not quite, but it will be here inevitably. My goal here today is not to scare anybody or freak anybody out. All great entrepreneurs have the power of anticipation. You want to sit there and say, where is this industry going? Where is this marketplace going? You know, where where is the business going? And how do I get there? You know, not, maybe not first, but how do I get there to take advantage, right? Early adapters in this space will have a profound advantage, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime advantage to do things, and that's what I'm asking you all to consider, all right? Let's move on. So let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what things are going to have to look like going forward. Let's talk about Magellan. So, you know, what are models? So there are basically three Magellan models that I'll talk about today. Um, you know, model one, model two, obviously model one, and model two, and number three. And and I will say, you know, I'm not going to get into whether this is Wirehouse or this is independent or this is independent or this is RA. I just want to kind of lay them out for you and 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 think about think about what you want. They all have pros and cons. Okay. Um, I will say this. Um, I've got clients in all three models, and I've got very happy clients in all three models. So different strokes for different folks. Model number one. We call the solo practice or lifestyle model. So basically, this is a pure lifestyle business. Uh, it looks like this: uh, one advisor. So there's one planner, one advisor, one professional, right? Uh, they they probably have one or two part-time virtual assistants. Uh, virtual assistants, uh, somebody to maybe maybe they have a virtual power planner. Maybe they have just a virtual assistant to do scheduling for them, paperwork, stuff like that. Um, they tend to be paperless as much as they can. Um, from that perspective. Uh, their office, most of them will work out of their home as a primary location. They often will have secondary locations to go meet with clients or prospects. That secondary location can be either a sublet, uh, like a small room at a, at a CPA's office or an attorney's office, or uh, if some of you are familiar with uh, uh, executive suites, uh, Regis is a kind of global leader, uh, Regis offices. I've got several clients that um, a work from home, and they have a Regis membership, and they can kind of bop around the city or even the country uh, using renting offices or conference rooms when they need to. Very economically efficient, right? Uh, they may also have JV partners. Now, what's a JV partner? JV stands for joint venture. It can or may not be economically shared, 
but it's just it's just who's on the team. So you may have a close relationship with a CPA that you refer your clients to, so you can help them do tax planning. You may have two different types of estate planning attorneys, one for the heavy lift, kind of very deep, you know, very complex estate planning cases, and then you may have somebody for more of the simpler ones. That's what we recommend. Uh, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to have overkill to do a simple will and things like that. Uh, several of my clients have retained life coaches. When I say retain, not really retain paid-wise, but they've created relationships with like life coaches or other types of professionals so that if a client has a need, we could, we could, fulfill it, we could facilitate that need. So if somebody says, you know, um, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about retiring, I'm freaked out about it, I don't know. Look, there are, there are HR, there are transition coaches, uh, life coaches that work with people, uh, who transition, right? Uh, all types of things. Business coaches. Now, not me. I specialize here, but if you've got clients that run professional practices or run businesses, go find yourself one or two good business coaches in, you know, maybe just a, a you know typical business coach. And you know, if you got somebody who has a need, say, look, you know what? Give this person a call. Or I'll facilitate, and you're adding value. You become that go-to person in your client's lives. So that's the solo practice or the lifestyle model. This one here obviously can be done from anywhere. I mean total freedom, total flexibility. Now I know which is not part of this but let me give you some some examples real quick. So I do have clients in this model. Uh, they'll run maybe anywhere from 100 to 200 clients and they'll run literally anywhere from 350 up to $900,000 of, of revenue with probably 80% margins before tax. Very, very fat margins, very lean, very mean, very, very sustainable, okay? Model number two is the ensemble model. So this may have one advisor, maybe a junior advisor, right? So it may have, it may have that. Uh, this model here will have an RM. Our RM is a relationship manager or client concierge, all right? What they'll do is they're in charge of uh, scheduling the clients, taking the phone calls. It's it's a member. It's 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 member of your staff, but they're the first point of contact, right? Uh, you may or may not have a coach, uh, so that arm also could be the coach. So if a client has an issue, we can help them there. So you may have it that way. Um, you will have several VAs. So you may have your um, you may have your virtual power planner. You may have uh, somebody do social media for you. Somebody does scheduling for you if your RM doesn't do it. Bottom line, you'll run a team of VAs. They can be located anywhere. Um, some of the services are in-house. So, for example, you might do uh, planning in-house. Uh, some of my clients actually now do tax in-house. They've hired an EA or they've gotten an EA who's a VA, uh, they've got a, an EA or enrolled agent who works virtually, right? So we do tax in-house. Obviously, if you're of the wirehouse variety, you can't do that. I understand that. Or even some of the independent BDs don't allow it. But again, if you can do it, there's a way to kind of make that happen. Um, number of JVs, right? JVs with realtors, JVs with um, uh, tax uh, estate planning attorneys. Uh, I've got clients got a JV with a head with a um, with a with a headhunter basically uh, search executive search very lucrative right a lot of ways to kind of look at that um, they also can work virtually uh, they may have a location they may have multi location so in other words they may hub their team somewhere in a you know kind of like in a, in a location uh, trying to think of the best example um, 
client in uh, client of mine, one of my one of my original clients in New Jersey. Um, they downsized their office. They had like 5,000 square feet. Uh, they broke. They found a space for 1,200 square feet. All open concept. Open concept. No, there's no offices. There's cubicles. There's pods. There's all this stuff for the team. Um, and the only the only room is there is there's a glass encased conference room where we do our meetings. Right. He uses that, and then through Regis, again, use that term again for the for the office space. Um, he has access northern New Jersey, southern New Jersey, New York. He's got a number of clients in Manhattan. He goes in there. So again, you can have multi locations that way. Also, very cool model. Uh, again, economically, that's probably you know, that's probably half a million, seven fifty on the low end, one two, uh, one five two million. Um, very profitable. Again, not a, you're not going to have eighty percent margin on model two, but you still have a lot of margin if done right. So again, now. Model three, then I'm going to talk about why these are all different, why they're all important. So model three is what we call the enterprise model. I do have several clients uh, that are building enterprises. In fact, one of my clients came in uh, with their number two to Orlando uh, two weeks ago. We spent a day in a Regis office that they procured, and we did a strategic day, uh, building out what their model needs to look like and so on and so forth. So this will have multiple advisors, could have partners, junior advisors, things like that, um, multiple locations. Uh, again, you know, it could be work from home, various office space, things like that. The word pods. So this is not the storage container, right? Pods are uh, basically you'll have a relationship manager or an advisor and an assistant working in a pod, serving maybe 100 to 200 clients. So I've got 200 client pod, 200 client pod, 200 client pod, 200 client pod. And this is, by the way, this is how the large RIAs that you see, you know, that have billions upon billions and billions of dollars on the management, uh, the Edelmans, the Fishers of the World, stuff like that, this is how they scale. You don't sit there and say, well, how big? You say, okay, I, here's a pod. How many, can these, how, much, how many households can this pod work with? Oh, I want to grow again? Okay, I'm going to create a second pod, keep marketing, keep doing my thing, and you just kind of bolt on pods and you grow, 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 or you decide to stop. Uh, flexible real estate, uh, again, you know, keeping our overhead relatively you know, calm. Uh, we don't need class A space. We don't need the high rise. We can hub. Uh, one of my clients in Baltimore, for example, I may have alluded to this earlier, um, they actually went ahead and, uh, and uh, took a lease out on an industrial warehouse, totally converted it. Um, beautiful space, by the way. Um, totally open, conference rooms, stuff like that, and they pay one-fifth they would have paid. And the clients that come think it's cool. You know, it's no, I, I think what, you, what we have to understand is, yes, there'll be, the, there'll be a percentage of the marketplace that's really impressed with the wood paneling and the high-rise and look at how cool our space is and stuff like that. But there's also a growing percentage of the market who looks at that and goes, that's pretty expensive stuff. I wonder what the fees are going to be. So by demonstrating some fiscal prudence, it actually becomes a competitive advantage. Last piece on the enterprise is that we can, grow, we can grow strategically. Remember, there's tactical growth and strategic growth. Uh, tactical growth is one client at a time, referrals, whatever, whatever marketing we're doing. Uh, strategic growth is when we buy businesses. I've got clients who are, are actively uh, pursuing uh, the purchases of practices and quite frankly, are also actively pursuing the purchases of tax practices 
or at minimum a equity portion so that we can merge tax and financial planning and asset management into one umbrella. All three models. So what is so by the way, if you're you know if you're the leader, if you're the owner of all th of, of any of these three models, you can still have a lot of freedom. Here's how it works. So model one, right? You just hey, I have X amount of spots. This is the these are the, these are my tactical days. Here's my strategic time. And like I said, you know this is a you know this is a you know 250 to 800 thousand dollar model, and with 80 percent margin. You know, unless you've got some, unless you've got some really interesting lifestyle, right? Most of you can probably get get away with that. And, and this thing is so cool. You know, I really like this model because you literally can, again, depending on what you need your world to work. And that's why, by the way, module number one in our planning process is so important because you'll have a sense of, hey, how much revenue do I really need for my ideal life and lifestyle? And then my brain goes, well, figure out how much you need. What's the easiest model to do? And that's what we do. I mean, to make to keep things overly simplistic, right? Um, I've got a lot of advisors, a lot of clients who are at firms who are looking to get out of the firms, not to go to another firm, but to really go independent, to really go kind of RA or independent because they want model number one. They want to. They're tired of all the complexity, all the BS, if you will, of these large organizations. And and you know, when we look at the math, they can take home just as much money with maybe 80% less grief. So model one, have a lot of freedom. Model two, if you have the right people, you still have your freedom. You have a junior advisor, handles a chunk of your business, right? Uh, or a relationship manager slash advisor, handles a lot of your business. So you still you can have more scalability, you still have a lot of freedom. I've got clients that have this model, and they take off as much as, model, as the first model does, and they make the same, if not more, money, okay? Model three, again, enterprise model, you have to be a great leader. You have to really be a strategic thinker, a great operator. Um, I've got clients, quite frankly, who've tried, wanted this, and then they started to get it, and they realized they didn't like it, and they unwound it, went back to either number two or number one. So number, so model number three is definitely not for everyone. Um, I would say maybe 20, 25% of my clients are probably, if I kind of, if I put people in certain boxes, I would say maybe 20% of my clients would fit that box. Uh, the other 80% are model one and two. And like I said. These all can be these all can be done with some variation, independent RA wirehouse. You just have to understand what quote unquote the landscape is and what the limitations are. Okay. Now, what do we need to look like? So, you, everybody on the everybody on our webcast today, what does so when we talk about the practice models? Well, what do you need to look like? What are, what are the skill sets? What's the definition? What are the disciplines that, that we're going to need going forward? So how do you help clients? So let's kind of look at this real quick. Uh, number one, obviously asset management, commoditized. Whether you do it in-house or outsource, your choice. I've got clients that do either or or a little bit both. Um, that's personal preference. Again, pricing matters. Okay. Next. Financial planning. Now, when I say financial planning, people go, oh, man, Money Guy Pro, eMoney, uh, financial profiles, all that, you know, ton of ton of things. It, whatever it, it's whatever you want it to mean to you. So if you want to do a you know, full-blown Money Guy Pro, that's great. I've got clients that will do a five-pager, uh, you know, basically almost on spreadsheets, and it works for them. I'm not going to sit there and say what you need to do one way or the other. 
that's your decision. But here's what I will say. If asset management is going to be commoditized, then where do we add our value? Where where is our where's our you know where's our value proposition? Where's our where do we really you know showcase that? Number one, it's going to be the financial planning side. Number two, which I think actually over the next ten years will become more important, life planning slash coaching. So there are two words there: Kinder, the Kinderist Institute, George Kinder. I've had several clients go through his training. Uh, I don't know George personally, so I won't comment it that way. Uh, but I will say I followed I follow, I have followed him for many years, and he has been screaming in the forest for a decade at least about how important this is. And I think the rest of the industry is now just about ready to get to get caught up to him. Um, I think it's I think it's there's strong deliverables there. It will give you a real competitive advantage. I strongly I, I strongly urge everybody to check it out. Now there are now Kinder does have designations. I would say most of the major firms will never let you use the designation. Who cares? It's about the knowledge base, right? The other one is SI or strategic intervention. Uh, that's Chloe Madonis uh, and Tony Robbins. They actually have a certification program where they will they will train you how to be a strategic invent, uh, interventionist or, quite frankly, a life coach. A um, little bit different there. Kinder is geared to our space. SI is geared globally. I think they both offer a very unique and powerful combination. What else are we going to do? Retirement planning, obviously, but not in the just sense of, well, how much money do we need? What's our drawdown? How long do we expect to live? All that jazz. I'm talking about lifestyle planning. How do you want to live retirement? What do you want to be doing? Second career, real estate. Really, again, doing that life planning slash deep dive. Fourth, college plan or fifth, excuse me, college planning. And I don't mean 529s and UGMAs and things like that. I mean sophisticated, um, sophisticated college planning. Uh, I highly recommend you Google this name, Beth Walker, B-E-T-H-W-A-K-E-R. Uh, she is a partner of mine. She is probably, if not one of the, the a leading uh, expert on college planning, and I don't mean again just doing five. I'm talking about school selection, major selection, negotiating tuition down. But I don't know if a lot of you know this. I didn't know this until, until I experienced it. Do you know that tuition is negotiable? You can go into a college and negotiate your tuitions. I never knew that. So just some things there to keep in consideration. Again, if you don't want to have that discipline. Go find an expert like Beth to partner with and have to put her on your team. Next, tax planning. And again, I know at the wires right now, tax planning is a no-no officially, although I, I plan to do it. Um, integrated tax and financial planning is to me the killer app. I was just talking to actually uh, one of my partners this morning. Uh, he got a new client in, uh, and uh, that new client had to pay $100,000 in income tax because their CPA screwed up cost basis, and their advisor gave the CPA the wrong cost basis. So now we got to file amended returns. We're going to get her seventy thousand dollars back. And if and if she didn't walk into my client's office on a referral, she would have paid that seventy. That she would have paid that seventy thousand and never known the difference. Okay. How else are we going to add value? Facilitate major purchases, life event. You know, make sure you have a go-to realtor. 
Make sure you have you know, go uh, you know a lot of several of my clients uh, and this is sort of a new trend have uh, there are what they call car buying consultants. These quite frankly are are um, uh, people that worked in the industry on the sales side, so like sales managers, finance managers, uh, salespeople who woke up one day and found religion and realized that they wanted to help other people not get screwed over. And uh, you know these people work on a retainer or contract basis. Uh, and they'll actually, you know, and uh, I've had clients use uh, entities like this. They'll actually over the phone, or or even if it's physically feasible, they'll go to the dealer and negotiate for you. And you, and they will, and you won't get any of the any of the double talk, BS, whatever it is, because they know the game. You say, you know, if you're an advisor, and you even if you had a non-official, but hey, call this person, tell them I sent them. You know, clients buying a high-end vehicle, you can save them thousands and thousands of dollars for a couple hundred bucks on a retainer. I mean, it's it's huge, and then the last one, which I think is a, again probably I think the ultimate is what I call the hybrid or or, or family office. So for for those of you who know the space, family offices have tended to be in the past uh, private entities that were created by very wealthy families or individuals to essentially run their wealth. So you'll have portfolio management, financial planning, taxation, legal, bill pay, all that jazz wrapped up. And you know it's now become an industry where operators will now work with multiple family multiple families. Uh, the problem with that is normally to do your own, you probably need around 25 to 50 mil. 50 is probably better minimums. And to plug into a to plug into a a family office, you probably need you know 10 to 25 to plug in minimally. It's probably even more than that. So obviously that's where a lot of us don't play. However, you can create a lot of elements yourself and say, how do I bring this, this, and this, right? So for example, if you're at a firm and you can't do tax planning, you should know a CPA who does it. And even if you can't do any revenue share, and so, you know, all of you need to find a CPA who does tax planning and not tax compliance. 90%, 80 to 90% of all CPAs in my experiences are great or competent, maybe is a better word, competent at tax compliance. They have no clue or concept on tax planning, right? So find somebody that gets that, okay? Plug them in and create what I call a hybrid family office. You know, have your virtual team and serve your clients at the deepest level. Remember, um, the more the more uh, ways you can serve someone, the less likely they are to leave, and B, the more they'll value what they do, and you won't you'll have a tremendous value proposition. Because at the end, this is what it's going. In my experiences and what I believe, this is what it's going to take to not just be viable in ten years but to be highly profitable, to have a super competitive advantage. And again, my, my goal here today was to just get you all to think a little differently on what our future holds. This is what it looks like going forward. Okay? So, where do we go? So, what actions? So, number one, um, coaching skills. Again, I think Kinder or Strategic Advantage or, or uh, as David said, you know, Mitch Anthony, Money Quotient, there's a lot of different animals out there. Uh, you know, do some research on them. I think yeah, I don't really sit there and say do this one or not do this one. Um, I, think the, I think the key thing here is 
find something you resonate with. Okay. Next, content matters. So for you, and this is not me. Hey, this is not. Hey, check out my stuff, Joe Lucas. What I'm saying is, you have got to become educators. You know, you want to create value, then you've got to add value. And so, if you can do a podcast, again, I know, right? Wirehouse, independent slash RA. Whatever you can do on these, do right. Get out there. I've got clients that are doing podcasts, videos, creating their own e-learnings, uh, train, doing trainings. Really, um, an educated client is a client that makes great decisions. And don't you want your partners and your clients making great decisions when you need them to make them, right? Um, so don't be afraid of doing all this, right? Events, educational events, retreats. Um, I, again, I'll probably do a, I'll probably do a, 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 a training on these by themselves, but just to give you guys an example, um, I've got a client that does a quarter of the educational event. Uh, one quarter, they'll bring a CPA, they'll bring their partner in, one of their strategic partners, and we'll talk about tax planning. He'll bring another educational partner in and talk about estate planning, uh, various things like that, right? And then he'll do a training on cash flow analysis and whatever else is out there. Um, he just uh, brought somebody in to do, um, what was it he did? Oh, um, um, uh, security, cybersecurity. Uh, he actually found a uh, cybersecurity consultant, uh, rented a training room at a college with all computers. And and had the, had spent 90 minutes teaching his older clients how not to get hacked and how to set their settings on Facebook so not everybody sees what they need to see. I mean, he got so much great feedback on that. So again, educate, uh, hold retreats. I've got clients that will host, um, you know, like one day retreats uh, around a topic. Uh, you bring uh, you bring so again you send the invitation. Uh, it could be it could be family dynamics. It could be estate planning, legacy planning. Uh, I've got several clients that travel extensively, and they literally will invite their clients to come with them. Now they don't pay for their clients, um, but they'll say, "Hey, we're going to be taking this one the seven day river cruise in Europe. Here's our travel agent. If you like to come, book." And you know what he finds is if he gets enough people to go, he'll rent a little space on the on the boat. And he'll do an educa and he'll do educational seminars in the morning for like an hour, and then everybody gets to you know I'm not going to get into tax advice here. Well, quite frankly, a lot of people write it off, All right? So there's ways to do things. Marketing. Mimic the coach guru space now. Here, and I don't want to get into again. We can't spend a lot of time on this today. Content matters. So I want to go back to what I said earlier on the slide. You need to be out there adding value to people in advance. It doesn't mean that. You know, you give your you give yourself away for free, or you take clients on for free. What it means is you have to add value up front. You know, so think about like think about what I do, right? And and think about okay, so value up front. You know, we've taken Practice Power Academy, made it open source now, right? No fee. We're doing these we're doing this training right now, right? How many of you paid to be here? Nobody, right? Why? Because I know that if I add value up front, and I operate, and, and when we call the guru space. What I mean by that is you, is you think about people that want to work with other people, right? It's not about selling them on working. It's about attracting them to come to you. How do you do that is you've got to have a message out there. You've got to have, you know, and showcase your expertise, not just sit there and, and you know, do what everybody else does. I think, there's a, I think there's a profound competitive advantage right now to be different. 
have a different process, have a different way of communicating to your markets. Um, I've got uh, several clients that are testing, uh, oh, actually, who do, and now are also several testing, uh, ask me anything. You know, well, so what's an ask me anything? It's a, it's a period of time. Uh, it can be done either as a group or individual uh, where you put an email out to your entire list. Say, look, if you like 30 minutes of my time to ask me anything about your investments, finances, retirement, all you need to do is click this link, access my schedule, book your time, 30 minutes, totally on me, no sales pitch, bring me three questions. And you get people to raise your hand, you get, and you get your um, list to raise their hand. And I'm not going to sit there and say you'll get, you know, if you had 1,000 people on your newsletter list, that you'll get 10 or 15 or 20 to raise their hands. But I'll tell you what, you, know, you do that every month, you get one or two or three people to raise their hand. Isn't that pretty cool? And these are people that would have raised their hand in the past, but you never made an offer for them to do it. So again, don't market as an advisor. Get outside the box, think differently, do different things. Okay. Now, one of my uh, one of my friends, I should say, uh, Aaron. Uh, you know, he was uh, nice enough to uh, bring me this concept. And uh, as a good coach does, we take things that we like and we run with them, right? So here's the thing I want to say, I, I, and this is more about how you position things to yourself. I want you to think of everything we've spoken about today as creating a new model or a new factory. So I want you to think of a, a kind of concept, you know, conceptualize it this way. I am my current factory, my current model, right? This way I do things. By the way, this pays the bills. This is the current, this is reality. I want you to think alongside creating a new factory. Create the blueprints, the foundations, and build it. You run both side by side. So your current, so your, your current clients, your legacy clients, stay where they are right now. Uh, any new people, we kind of bring into this one, right? And then over time, we invite our legacy clients into our new factory. That is the best way to do it. What most people do, and it's really, um, and to me, I think it creates a lot of challenges, is, man, I gotta make all these changes. I gotta change, how do I get my, how am I gonna get my current clients into this? You don't worry about that right now. You build this other model out, and anybody new goes in there, and, and, then, any, and then you invite the old, you invite your current clients in as they need to. And, you know, I was talking to a client this morning, uh, you know, first thing, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm slowly bringing him into this, into this concept, and he says, man, I'm just, you know, I, I just got to get my head around. And I said, I said, look, here's your problem. You're afraid and you're looking at this thing as like, how do I get my current clients to do this? Bad idea. What we need to do is get new clients into the new factory and then let's worry about everybody down the road. And it crystallized for him. Instead of worrying about how to get everybody currently into this, because, you know, we all do it, right? Oh, this person will never go for that. And we kind of talk ourselves out of it. No, no, no. Build this for the new people and then run this as it currently is. That's what I do. You know, I've got a whole new factory. You know, I've got 100% uh, performance-based relationships, uh, study groups, masterminds, uh, strategic days. I've got all the new stuff for all the new people or who wants in on this, right? But I've got clients I've had for 23 years who just want this. They just want to talk to me once in a while, right? So I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, I don't, you got to go here or else. They stay here. I build this. That's how you do it. So you don't get overwhelmed. 
Okay, so just kind of keep that in mind. Um, you know, it's all about you know integrating it properly with with the right time. Okay. So next week, I, first off, I do have a little time to see what time it is now. Yeah, we got about uh, five ten minutes. If there are any questions, uh, you could uh, you could raise your hand, and I'll be happy to unmute you. Um, or if you want to type it in, if you're uh, following us there, I'd be happy to do that too. We did record this, uh, but while we while I wait for some questions or some comments, um, our next webcast is going to be Wednesday, June 14th, same time, 11:30 Eastern. Um, my topic is this is just what I came up with, put it out here this morning. The secret of the top five percent. So let me explain what that means. So it's not sounds so crazy. There are certain things that I have found very successful advisors do that the rest of the advisors don't or they do it very inconsistently so I want to kind of put that on the board next month almost as like a checklist kind of check-in on here are the behaviors here's kind of how these five percent roll and, and 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 take a look at how you're doing versus yourself so that's that's what I want what that's what I want to do um, so if there are any questions or anything raise your hand if not then I'm gonna give another minute or two and uh, We'll wrap up, say goodbye. Um, again, what I'd ask you all to do is just think about this and figure out, again, because I'm looking who's here and I know some of you very intimately. You know, again, if you're at a wirehouse, what can I do? If I'm independent, what can I do? If I'm RA, what can I do? And, and really think about this. This is where we're going to be within the next 10 years. Okay? So think through it. Figure it out. If I'm working with you, let's make sure we chat about this. If, you, if you're not working with me, reach out. You want 30 minutes of my time, gratis. Again, I can't sell you on what I do. Um, I think we got a clear board. Uh, Dave, thanks for some of the comments. I appreciate it. I appreciate you as always. And just real quick, I don't want to call anybody out, but uh, Dave Leo's here. He's a, he's a coach in our industry. Uh, him, him and I have worked in the past from time to time. And, you know, him, him and I have swapped emails uh, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, it was his birthday not too long ago. And and I forget. I, I don't hold me to this. And it's not important. But you know, he's in his mid 70s, and he's still killing it. And you know, I told him. I said, you know, my goal is to be like you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I'll be 53 this year, and I really want another 25 years at a high level. I really want that. So, Dave, I appreciate you being here. Thanks for the thanks for your kind words and your support. Always, I appreciate that. And uh, oh, 79. Just say 79. So he's still crushing it at 79. We should all be as lucky. Um, that being said, thank you for taking time out of your busy days. I appreciate you being here. We'll get the replay up on Practice Power Academy, also on our YouTube channel. And uh, hopefully I'll see you all back here on the 14th for our next webcast. With that, we are done. Everybody get back to work and uh, go make it a great day.